what we've got here is failure to communicate. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Tough, unique, bad, bold, and sassy. 60% of the time, it works every time. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Take the pain. Take the pain! Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Today, Junior? It's too late to turn back now. It's the Brian Hank Show. Indeed it is. Hello, live and on tape from beautiful Whitehall Drive here in lovely Kinston, North Carolina. It's Thursday, June the 8th in the year of our Lord 2023. This is episode 876 of the Brian Hanks Show presented by Lenore Community College. My co-hosts, John Dawson and Jonathan Massey, by God, I have missed them. I know you have missed them. They will be joining me here at the end of the second hour today for the birthday game, uh, that game we play every day that is brought to you by our good friends over at GoEco Office Automation. Let me tell you something. We have got another great show for you here today. Here in our first hour, now, lots of confusion. I, I'm just I'm mixing everybody around uh, because usually in our first hour, we have the great Shane Albee who joins us from, uh, you know, he's our voice of the Down East Wood Ducks and the University of Mount Olive Athletics. This week he is the voice of uh, NCAA Baseball World Series that's taking place up in Cary. I give you all that tease to tell you he will not be on today's show. He will be on tomorrow's show. Uh, he is uh, graciously, again, swapped around his spot because we've got Paul Whittington coming on. Uh, Paul is uh, serving our country right now. He's our NASCAR, NHL, and Washington Nationals expert. Uh, he is uh, a servant, like I said, serving our country. He's doing his summer exercises with the National Guard. And he's able to sneak away. I uh, see. I picture him. You know, he's in a tent somewhere, which is probably not true. But we'll get all that from him here in a little bit. But he has snuck out like to the, to the perimeter. You know, he's in his full camouflage. His face is painted. You know, he's got a I don't know a toboggan on or something, which wouldn't make sense because it's June. But he, he's secretly talking to us on his phone. That's what he's going to do this morning. Uh, about, yeah, about 18 minutes or so from now, less than 20 minutes from now. Uh, listen, he's going to get us caught up on uh, everything going on with NASCAR. Had a big race uh, last week in St. Louis. He's going to preview Sonoma this week. And uh, we might even sneak in some Stanley Cup final talk, too, since uh, game three of the Stanley Cup final is tonight. So uh, that's Paul Whittington in our first hour. And then in our second hour, man, I cannot believe it's been about 14 months since we had her on the last time, but we are remedying that today. Uh, she's one of the country's leading sports gambling experts in the world. She's a sports betting host for and an analyst for the MLB Network, NBA TV, Points Bet USA. They call her the props queen, but we know her simply as our good friend Ariel Epstein. Really looking forward to talking to her. We communicate uh, quite a bit, probably at least once every couple of weeks. And I don't know. I, I don't know why I haven't had her on. And we're remedying that. Like I said, we're remedying that this morning. She'll kick off our second hour of today's show. Uh, and we'll just catch up with her on everything. Uh, she will be uh, coming to us live just like uh, Paul will on our Spence Automotive guest line. 
I tell you what, we're going to talk some MLB, some NBA finals, and we're just going to catch up with our friend. I want to see how she's doing. I've been keeping up with uh, all this, the Canadian wildfire stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, I got on uh, CNN this morning, CNN.com, and they were doing an air quality map, and she is right. I mean, these fires are, these wildfires are taking place in Canada but they are just enveloping uh, the uh, the northeast, and it's just bad. I mean, it is really, really bad up there. So much so that they had to cancel baseball games, uh, Major League Baseball games. Uh, so, uh, like I said, we'll get caught up with her on all that stuff. Like I said, just our friend. Remember, she used to work for uh, Channel 12. She was uh, our good friend Brian Norse, uh, number two in the sports department there, was a weekend sports anchor and just killed it when she was here. And, uh, is now has just, since she left, uh, Eastern North Carolina has just exploded, has just gone up the, uh, the TV ranks she's worked for, uh, like I said, she works now for NBA TV for MLB, uh, network and all that. So just very excited to talk to our friend. If you have any questions that you would like me to, uh, send her, uh, pop it to me. Spence, I know you got to have a question, man. Send me one. Mr. Dawson, if you've got one. Uh, send me a question. Heck, Pam Sheffield, you might even have a question that you'd like me to uh, to ask Ariel. Uh, just pop it to me, and uh, I'll make sure to get it out there. So, uh, the, again, Paul Whittington this hour, uh, in place of our regular Thursday guest, Shane Albee. Thank you, Shane. Shane's just uh, so fl- – Shane is so flexible. I guess he doesn't mind me telling you that, but uh, we really do appreciate him. Uh, this I, I believe this is now the third week out of the last four or the fourth week out of the last five something like that, uh, that he is, uh, voluntarily just a nice guy, just, uh, moved, moved his regular spot. So we do appreciate him, uh, as I've been doing here on the show in our, in our monologue, uh, the past couple of weeks, uh, I like to try to give you a junius update. Uh, did a big one on, uh, on Tuesday on Facebook, not going to go over that whole thing again. If you want to read it, you can go to my Facebook page and you can check that out. But I just, uh, had a pretty rough, uh, pretty rough day yesterday. Uh, his dad was supposed to come to town. We were going to be doing some stuff, and uh, but unfortunately, I uh, just had had a pretty bad day and was unable to see his dad. So uh, keep those prayers going up for Junius. Uh, and I, I tell you what, just so many nice people. I know Sam Lee. I know uh, uh, some parents over at Parrot Academy. Uh, some uh, folks down at South Lenore have all been hitting me up on, hey, how can we help? We would like to do a fundraiser, a fun fundraiser for him Let, let's and i love that i love that people are thinking like that and they're wanting to be proactive and they're wanting to help we're we're going to let's just let him get out of the woods he's still deep deep in the woods right now and i'd like to see him get out of the woods a little bit before we do that and i would like him to be uh a you know a part no i don't know necessarily a part of it but uh where he can acknowledge it and just enjoy it and be able to really recognize the people who are helping out with this. So, uh, yes, keep the ideas coming. We will, as we, like I said, as we get closer to, uh, uh, to him getting better, we'll do some stuff like that. And man, I've already seen some great ideas from folks, some fundraisers. I know, uh, I helped his mom start to set up a GoFundMe over the weekend. Hopefully we'll get some details on that and we'll get them out to you too. But, uh, more than anything, just, uh, Keep uh, keep the prayers going up for Junius. Just uh, I don't have to tell you guys. Just one of the great guys out there, and let's hope uh, let's hope he keeps uh, improving. 
Uh, I mentioned this yesterday, but I wanted to just report it again that uh, ESPN reported that uh, Brandon Ingram, he has accepted a roster spot <clears throat> on the USA men's basketball team. He's going to be playing in the FIBA World Cup tournament in the Philippines. Now, training camp is still about two months away uh, as it'll start on August 3rd. And there's going to be an exhibition game versus Puerto Rico on August 4th. And then the uh, FIBA World Cup tournament itself. Uh, it'll begin on uh, August 25th in Manila. Uh, the Americans finished seventh in 2019, and uh, with Brandon on the team, I'm positive they're going to be better uh, this year. Uh, also, uh, we reported yesterday, and I think even the day before, maybe about Matt Grantham being the new LCC head basketball coach, uh, replacing Chris Brown. Uh, he will be joining us live here on the show. He will be here in our plush, well-lit studio here on Whitehall Drive tomorrow and uh, so we're pretty excited about that. Uh, he'll be with us here in our second hour tomorrow. I got to tell you, I've had my life insurance with Woman Life for more than 10 years, and I absolutely could not be happier with it. I know if something bad happens to me, those I care for are going to be very well taken care of. The beauty of Woman Life, though, isn't just the peace of mind that I have with it, but that it's an organization that truly cares for our community, as evidenced by its donations of American flags to every group, organization, church, or government agency that needs one right here in eastern North Carolina. Thank you so much to Danny Rice, Jared Edwards, and Woodman Life for sponsoring The Brian Hanks Show. If you need a good life insurance quote or even financial advice, call Jared at 252-361-2414 or visit him at 1136 Highway 258 North in Kenston. It's right beside Highland Furniture across from Cell Auto Mall. Arendelle Parrot Academy is the largest independent non-sectarian college prep school in the region. Located on a beautiful 80-acre campus in Kinston, Parrot draws students from all over eastern North Carolina, including Kinston, Greenville, Snow Hill, Newburn, Wilson, Goldsboro, Trenton, Maysville, Jacksonville, and maybe Hookerton. Parrot Academy remains steadfast in its purpose of providing the best possible instruction and learning environment for its students. Arendelle Parrot Academy students receive acceptances from colleges and universities across the country and around the world. Give them a call at 252 522 or visit their beautiful campus at 1901 Dobbs Farm Road in Kinston. And uh, thank you there, Jonathan. Appreciate that. Uh, listen, let's get you caught up on uh, sports last night. Uh, the Downey's Wood Ducks. Now, <laughs> you talk about a unique situation. That is what happened with Wood Ducks last night. They lost uh, last night 9-7. to They fell to 29-20. Uh, and 20. and they are now in first place in the Carolina League North. That's right. The Carol the, the hated Carolina Mudcats uh, had a doubleheader uh, last night against Fayetteville, or yesterday against Fayetteville. Lost both ends of it. So uh, the Wood Ducks, who were a half game behind uh, the, the hated Mudcats, they are now percentage points ahead. So if the season ended right now, or I'm sorry, if the first half ended right now, our Woodies would be uh, would be Carolina League North uh, champions. So how cool is that? But, uh, yes, uh, again, uh, we want them to win, and we want them to continue to win. But, uh, like I said, just uh, congratulations to the Mudcats. Although they lost, they are in first place in the Carolina League North. Now, uh, game three of the six-game set against uh, the uh, – the shorebirds up in Delmarva. That'll be at 7.05 today. And, yes, you can watch it. If you go to woodducksbaseball.com, they've got a link over there. And uh, Delmarva has the MILB 
uh, camera out there, and you can actually watch the wood ducks. Now, you're going to have to pay a little bit. It's not expensive. I, I, I got to admit, I haven't bought it. I probably should. But I believe it's maybe twenty nine ninety nine for the season or something like that. But you can watch uh, the Wood Ducks and the Shorebirds tonight at seven oh five on that app or on the on on your laptop. Now the Woodies uh, again. That's a six game set. Today is uh, game three, and then uh, they return home. The Wood Ducks do uh, this coming Tuesday. They'll take on the Salem Red Sox, and that'll be in a seven game series. It'll be our regular six game series, and I believe on Thursday, a week from today. They'll have a doubleheader to make up uh, for a rainout that they had earlier this season. So uh, pretty cool, man. Pretty cool that uh, you can do that. Uh, Keith Spence tells me, and I did not know this, uh, the Delmarva ballpark is beautiful. I would like to uh, check that out sometime. In fact, I think at the end of last year, uh, we were thinking about going up there for something. Maybe it was uh, going up for an NFL game or something, and I looked at it, and the Wood Ducks were closing the season in Delmarva last year, and we almost did it, but... Then we decided not to, but, uh, hey, I'll check that out, Spence. I would love to check it out, the Delmarva uh, ballpark. Okay, uh, the Kenston Wingman last night, and you would think we would have brought to, uh, yeah, uh, that's I think that's maybe what we were going to do, Spence. Spence said uh, he went to an Orioles game a few years ago and then went to a game at Delmarva. I think that's what we were going to do, too. It was either that or we were going to see a Ravens game or something, and uh, we ended up uh, deciding not to for some reason, but, uh, I would like to check it out. I have. I've heard great things about that Delmarva ballpark. Would definitely like to check that out. Uh, after having Billy Stern on here yesterday, the GM of the Kenston Wingman, thought we might give him a little bit of luck. Unfortunately, uh, they lost last night 5-4 to four at Lancer Field uh, against the River City Skippers. Uh, that was now the fourth loss in a row now for uh, the Kenston Wingman, who are now 4-4. Four and four. I mean, talk about streaky. Start out the season 4-0. and oh, Now 0-4, oh like I said, in their last four games. And uh, they are off until Saturday. They have a couple of days off now. The wingmen do. Uh, they will travel to River City, uh, the skippers of River City, on Saturday and take them on and try to break that uh, four-game losing streak. Uh, American Legion Post 43, they were 2-5 and five going into last night's game against Durham. Uh, I am waiting there. And I know he will. He always does. Uh, waiting to get my text from uh, our good friend and uh, head baseball coach, Ty Eason, of American Legion uh, post 43. We'll see how they did last night against uh, Durham. And we'll give you an update on that when I get that update from him. Uh, now the American Legion post 43, they are uh, home today at seven o'clock against Wilson. I've got a parks and rec uh, meeting today and parks and rec commission meeting today. And I think I might try to make, try to make it out there to uh, Kenston high and see uh, post 43. Haven't had a chance to see them yet this year. I still hadn't seen the Kent, the wingman either. Want to get out there and see them too. So there you go. Uh, our Woody's lost last night. The wingman lost last night. But uh, I hope post forty three came for us. Uh, came through for us. NBA Finals. Uh, we probably won't do much NBA Finals talk here in the first hour. Surely we're going to in our second hour when we have Ariel Epstein up here with us. But man, watch a little bit of that game last night. And I got to tell you, uh, yes, I'm still going with the Heat. I think the Heat are going to win in seven. But Denver took back control of the NBA Finals last night uh, as they won game three. Uh, they now lead two games to one. But the impressive thing, a historic NBA Finals game last night as Nikolaj Jokic and Jamal Murray both had triple doubles. Okay, that's impressive enough. Uh, and I think maybe that has happened in a Finals game before. But I can tell you what had never happened in a Finals game 
was Jokic and Murray both having uh, 30-point games in their triple-doubles. So uh, Jokic had 32. It's almost like a video game numbers here. Jokic had uh, 32 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Uh, And Jamal Murray had 34 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. And again, uh, never happened before. And when you think the NBA Finals have been going on for 75, 80 years, whatever it is, uh, 75 years, more than that, I think. Uh, but no one had ever recorded those kind of numbers. Teammates had never recorded those kind of numbers. Just very, very impressive. Congratulations to the Nuggets. And I got to tell you, and I'm, I don't really have a dog in the fight, either one of these teams. Uh, hey, how about that? I tell you what, we'll get back to the NBA Finals here in a second. Congratulations, uh, Ty. I told you Ty Eason would uh, get back up with me here, uh, head baseball coach of our American Legion Post 43 team. They won last night two to nothing in a rain shortened game. Congratulations to uh, American Legion Post 43. And again, they're at home tonight uh, when they take on Wilson. That game is scheduled to start at 7 o'clock. And then they're at Wilmington. They'll play at Wilmington Laney on Saturday. So uh, congratulations, Coach Eason. Congratulations to uh, Post 43 that big win last night over a very, very good Durham team. Uh, back to the NBA Finals last night again. Uh, game four of the NBA Finals is Friday at 8.30. That'll be in Miami. And, uh, yes, I'm still going to – I know I talked to a Mark Panicelli. We did our home-and-home home yesterday as I appeared on his program yesterday. And uh, I'm sticking with it. I mean, yes, I know what just happened. I know that uh, Denver, again, uh, came up with a, a big win. But I'm telling you. I really think uh, I think Miami's going to win this thing. Uh, it's going to go. They lost game one and game three. They were blown out in both of them. They won game two. I just I I feel very very strongly about this. But uh, I, what I started to say was I'm just so. We were talking about Junius earlier, and uh, he's the only Denver Nuggets fan I know. By the way, I mean, and you gotta you gotta feel like like I said I have no dog in the fight, but I really hope that uh, that. Uh, the Nuggets come through for Junius with him being the biggest and only Nuggets fan that I know. That would be awesome. Uh, let me see here. I got a couple messages here. Uh, wow. Uh, Garrett Bird last night in the uh, victory for post 43 threw a one hitter. And, uh, and Coach Eason said that was a questionable hit error call. So he could have had a no hitter last night. So uh, congratulations, man, to Garrett Bird, uh, to uh, Coach Ty Eason, and all the folks over at American Legion Post 43. Spence has Denver in six, and I mean, that's definitely very possible, but I still think. I think Miami is going to come back and win this thing. How about the Stanley Cup final? The Vegas leads, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights lead that as uh, the final two games to none. However, it tra- the, the uh, series travels back to Florida. Game three of the Stanley Cup final is today at 8 o'clock, and that will be on TNT. So uh, you can watch that, watch that, and check that out too. So there you go. They get you caught up on everything uh, before we get uh, before we get uh, Paul Whittington up here on the line with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's uh, let's thank our title sponsor of the Brian Hanks Show, and as you know, it is Lenore Community College. For more than sixty-five years, Lenore Community College has helped men and women in our area tangibly improve their lives. Uh, LCC's mission is to meet the personal, cultural, and professional educational needs of its students through affordable, accessible, and innovative educational programs. LCC has its main campus right here in Kenston at 231 Highway 58 South. 
but it also has satellite campuses in Greene County and Jones County. Call LCC at 252-527-6223. Visit their website at lenorecc.edu or visit one of their beautiful campuses in Kinston, Snow Hill, or Trenton to find out how you can change your life today. And again, want to thank all our good friends over at Lenore Community College. They've got Matilda coming up here. Uh, the foundation does soon. We need to get uh, Jessica Cruz and the folks back on here again to talk about that because, again, that is just right around the corner. But uh, listen, 252-527-6223, and that, uh, give them a call. Tell them Brian Hanks sent you, and that will uh, help uh, get you back on or get you on the way to improving your life. And then maybe one day you can be a, a proud LCC alum like our guest here on the phone on our Spence Automotive guest line. It's Paul Whittington out there uh, playing war games right now or something like that, right? Well, we're playing driving games at the moment, but uh, <laughs> we're out here. We're, we're barreling towards uh, Fort Liberty, as they call it now. Fort Have Liberty, the former Fort Bragg, and now it's Fort Liberty. What I got to ask, I mean, what, I mean, obviously we know the reasons that it was done. I think uh, Fort Bragg was named after a Confederate uh, general or a Confederate States of America hero, and they decided to change it to Fort Liberty, which I've got to tell you personally, I don't have a problem with. But what's been the reaction among your your uh, brothers in arms? Uh, confusion. Everybody <laughs> calls confusion. it Fort Bragg. You hear Fort Liberty, and it's like, what? What are you talking about? What, what is that? Oh, that's right. That's that new place in Fayetteville. Um, that's that's kind of been the been the. I guess the reaction, everybody's still confused. And uh, I think for a while it's, it's still going to be brag because that's what it's been for ages. And that's how the military community knows it. And that's how they continue to talk. Well, there you go. Well, uh, you, it's Paul Whittington. He's a regular Friday guest, unable to do tomorrow's show because of his uh, duties to our country. And uh, again, Shane Albee just stepping up and uh, graciously uh, – uh, giving up his spot this morning so you can do it. I know you would like to thank him for that, right? I would. Uh, I appreciate him doing that, and I know he appreciates it too because the Friday money is a little bit different than the Thursday money. So I, <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't mind uh, switching to Friday every so often. But but we certainly appreciate his flexibility and, and him working around around my confusing schedule. Dude, that is all. Awesome. You, I don't know if you heard my monologue, and I, I know you were on the road, like you said, between Garner and uh, Fort Liberty right now. But, uh, dude, I was picturing you. Did you? Did you? Were you able to listen to what I said in the monologue? I wasn't. Although this makes it even better, I get to tell people who may just be joining us right now. Here's how I picture you: that uh, your face is all camouflaged up. You're, you know, you're, you're wearing obviously your uh, your battle fatigues. And that you were like on the perimeter with a M16 slung over your shoulder, and you're whispering into the phone as you're talking to us doing your appearance this morning. I guess it's nothing <laughs> like that, though, right? No, not really. I'm actually, I'm actually on the way to school. Uh, they have me taking this class, and um, I won't get into the details of what the class is about. But essentially, it's like teaching a uh, high school senior how to color inside the lines for the first time. <laughs> Well, you know, if there's, one, challenging. if there's one thing I know about my good friend, Paul Whittington, I mean, you're a man that likes to cut color outside the lines. So maybe, maybe this is good That's for true. you then, right? Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> there you go. 
Paul, uh, man, uh, we'll, we'll jump into everything. What, deal, deal Lee's choice here. What do you want to talk? You want to talk a little Stanley Cup final first? Do you want to, since game three is tonight, do you want to go ahead and get in a NASCAR? What would you like to talk about as we uh, as we start your visit here this week? Yeah, we'll spend we'll spend a moment on the on the Stanley Cup Finals. We can go there first. I like it. I like it. Uh, game three is tonight, and I got to tell you, you had said this, but you weren't the only person that said this. That we we all thought the the Eastern Conference Final between Florida and Carolina would be uh, a de facto uh, Stanley Cup Final. I mean, I thought, and, and like I said, most experts and you too had thought that uh, whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference Final, I don't think you were thinking it was going to be a four to nothing or a four to one kind of win for uh, Florida, but uh, it, it was pretty universally regarded that uh, it would be Florida winning the Stanley Cup Final. Goodness gracious, a lot. Vegas has come out of the blocks. They have had no trouble whatsoever. I believe five to two in game one, seven to two in uh, game two, and they go down to uh, Florida today for game three. Have you been surprised by how easily Vegas has uh, controlled the Stanley Cup final to this point? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's been night and day compared to the Eastern Conference Finals and the team that we saw go up against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Florida's just been not really there. I think both what both losses were were four goal losses uh, in in both game one and game two. Uh, they haven't gotten the goaltending that they that they wanted. They hadn't gotten the uh, the scoring that they that they wanted, uh, or at least you know what they saw. It doesn't even compare to what they saw in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. I've been a little bit surprised at, at how aggressive Vegas has been through the first two games, and I I think this this series is shaping up to to not be a very competitive one. I, I just I don't see how Florida really gets back in this series considering how bad they beat up. I, I don't say it's a sweep. I think they win one, but I think Vegas is going to finish it off in five games. They've just been the better team in all phases of the game. Uh, they, they've played incredible, and, and Vegas hasn't, and it's, and it's that simple, and it seems like this is going to be Vegas's year. There you go. Uh, you know, they always say, and I know it's an old cliche, and especially sports fans like you and I have heard this a hundred times, a series doesn't really begin until the visitors win or until, yeah, the visitors win on someone else's uh, ice or floor or field or whatever. I, and that sort of stands here. Yes, they have won in, like you said, in dominant fashion, uh, two, and they're up two games to none. But to me, you know, I mean, if they hold serve here and they win these two games down in, uh, is it Sunshine, Florida? Where 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 do they play? Sun, sunrise. Sunrise. Sunrise, Florida. Sun, uh, sunshine, sunrise, yeah. sunflower. I mean, thing. yeah, it's all the same thing. But uh, until somebody wins on the other uh, person's ice or other team's ice, it's not really a series until then. Do you buy into that at all, or has just the dominance to this point just make you think that this is Vegas' series? I mean – you have to win on the road to win the Stanley Cup. We saw that last year, and the game's inability to do that. You can only get so far um, with without winning on the road. Yeah, I buy into it. Um, I, I don't know if, if it necessarily applies to, to every single series, um, but once you go and you win on the road, then if you're the if you're the other team that's now down three games to nothing or three games to one, then yeah, it's, it's time to start really getting worried and figuring out what your offseason plans are going to be. Um, yeah, win, winning on the road can certainly define a series. Uh, your inability to do so can certainly define a series. So, so I 100% buy into that thing. 
There you go. That voice you're listening to is Paul Whittington. Uh, yes, he is our regular Friday guest, but he is uh, here on a Thursday uh, helping us uh, get caught up on the Stanley Cup final. Anything else you'd like to add there? I mean, uh, you, you want to give us a game prediction for tonight? I, I think it'll be Vegas. We'll, we'll call it 4-1 to one at the end of the night. I, I did see an interesting stat. Uh, you know, we talked about the, the final four teams uh, with, with Dallas and Carolina now being eliminated uh, in that in that kind of Sunbelt region and how the traditional hockey fans weren't going to like that. You look through the first two games of last year's Stanley Cup, they averaged 4 million viewers per game. Uh, they're down to 2.6 million through the first two games in the Stanley Cup final this year. Certainly not what uh, our friends over at ESPN, TNT, TBS, and the NHL wanted to see. Uh, but you know what? You got the two best teams, and sometimes they don't play in traditional hockey markets. Yeah, there you go. And the thing gets me just talking about, I love that you brought that up about TV ratings there, Paul, is if the NFL put a, uh, I don't know, help me here, a flag football game on between uh, third-string quarterbacks for Jacksonville and Dallas, I don't know. You could put anything and put the NFL crest on it, and they would, they would, there would be five million viewers of it tonight, don't you think? You just described the Pro Bowl. Uh, yeah, there <laughs> yeah, would you're be. Right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> there, there would be uh, if you if you put NFL jerseys out there. I mean, we see it in preseason. I mean, the preseason numbers bring in decent ratings when those games are, are on TV, and you don't you don't see regular season ratings come in during spring training. You don't see, you don't see regular season ratings come in during training camp and hockey, but you get a good amount of viewers watching preseason NFL games. We saw it a couple of years ago where local Fox channels out of Charlotte, Raleigh, and I think Greensboro decided to broadcast uh, the, the Carolina Panthers preseason game uh, over uh, the NASCAR race. And, to, to your point, you're absolutely right. You put the NFL press on it, you're going to get viewers, and you're going to get ratings. Well, heck, they did the uh, schedule release a couple of weeks ago, and I would be willing to bet, you know, that the schedule release show probably got better. And, and I hate it, too, because, I mean, this is the Stanley Cup final. It's, the to me, the most prestigious trophy in, in all of sports. I mean, I love their trophy, and yeah. I know you do, too. But, uh, again, a schedule release show for the NFL probably draws better numbers than that. But, you know, what? that's a conversation for another day. Paul Whittington joining us here as we're going to pivot to uh, NASCAR. And before we even talk about last week's race and recap that and uh, preview uh, this week's uh, road course in Sonoma, I wanted to uh, – I need you to explain to me all over NASCAR.com Today, if you go there, they're talking about Garage 56 and NASCAR to Le Mans. I have no, and as someone who you have got, like I've said several times, many times, you've got me back in the NASCAR and I'm trying to follow it. What is this NASCAR to Le Mans thing, or do you know what it is? Yeah, Garage 56 is a, uh, is a project that opens the door for, I guess, other forms of motorsports to build a car and come to the 24 hours of Le Mans. And it was about, I think, two years ago, or, or maybe last year, um, after the inception of the next-gen car, and it made its debut, NASCAR, in partnership with Hendrick Motorsports, announced that they were going to be building their car for, garage, for the Garage 56 entry into the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And um, Hendrick Motorsports did that with uh, 
Jimmy Johnson is, is one of the drivers. I think it's a team of two or three drivers. I don't remember who the others are, but uh, Jimmy Johnson's one of the drivers, and they're going to run the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And they've been out there for a week now doing doing all the pre-race stuff, all the, the pit crew competitions, the qualifying sessions, and all that kind of stuff. And they basically took a, a run-of-the-mill next-gen race car, made a number of modifications to it. Uh, I heard it's 500 pounds lighter than a typical next-gen race car. Uh, it actually has lights, not just decals that look like lights, uh, because you do need to run at nighttime when you run 24 hours. And there's other modifications that, that give it the ability to actually run that long and that far. Um, but this is, this is NASCAR in their 75th year of existence with, in partnership with Hendrick Motorsports, showing off the next-gen race car to other pockets of the globe. And, and they're doing so through by running the, the 24 Hours of Le Mans in its, in its 100th anniversary. That is pretty cool. And when you look at like, uh, still photos and I've not, I've got to admit, I've not watched any of the uh, coverage of it, but it is neat. I mean, you, you've not got, it's not like NASCAR, which has, you know, you, unless you see the, uh, the sticker that has the Ford sticker or the Toyota sticker or the Chevy sticker, it's hard for me to tell the difference between the, the, the cars. I mean, it absolutely is, but these are individual cars from, from how many different circuits? Uh, I think there's four classes wow. that, that typically run in this race. Um, it's it's very similar to the to the cars you see in like the Rolex 24 at Daytona uh, a couple of weeks before we run the Daytona 500. Um, it's it's very similar to that. Uh, I don't think it's an infrastructure race, but the cars the cars are very similar. Um, and then you have the NASCAR Garage 56 entry, which is a uh, entry of its own. It's a class of its own. Um, they were, this was interesting. Uh, they did the pit crew challenge the other day and the, uh, the NASCAR crew was best in their class in terms of pit crews. Um, they were the only team in their class, so didn't really get to compete against anybody, but finished fifth overall, uh, in, in pit stop time. So, so that was great. A, a big showing by, by some of the Hendrick Motorsports pit crews that were over there helping to pit that race car. That is pretty cool. So these, they're all running against each other. So is there like an overall champion? I mean, when they finish or do they just, uh, give trophies to the best ones in each class? How does that work? All of it. Um, every, uh, the best of each class wins, um, or wins something. If you, if you finish top of your class, um, I, I don't know how that works when you're the only car that's in your class. <laughs> uh, but then there is typically an overall Dude, that is very cool. I mean, now that's already taking place, or uh, it'll take place this weekend. Okay. Uh, they've done okay. all the qualifying runs. They they're, they've been doing practice runs and all that stuff. But the twenty four hour Le Mans, twenty four hour of Le Mans will kick off this weekend. Well, and if you want to learn more about the sport, you can go watch Ford versus Ferrari. That's a uh, a great little um, little movie all about Le Mans. And I love how we're going to get off topic here for a second. I've tried to start that twice, dude. It's got Christian Bale in it. Who else? I know it's got a couple other big actors in it. Is Matt Lee? Damon. Matt Damon. Yep. Yep. Dude, you I just, st- just got to do it. You just got to do it. It's a great movie. <laughs> well, it won awards. It won several awards. I think it was a yep. uh, Academy Award finalist. I don't think it won the Academy Award, but I know it was an Academy Award finalist. I don't know, three years ago or whatever. It's on my DVR, and I swear, I started it one time with uh, with Hot Linda, then I started another mm-hmm. time by myself, and in 
I don't even remember what happened. Both times I got interrupted and I've just not picked it back up. I think I've got about 20, 25 minutes into it, dude. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's, uh, it gives you a great preview into what it takes to race and just some of the history involved with, with that race and how, how Ford broke into it and all that fun stuff. It's a, it's a great movie. Uh, definitely, definitely, uh, scratches the itch for, for good racing movies. I love it. I love it. Okay. Let's talk about, let's not talk about movie star racing. Let's talk about real racing and a pretty good uh, contest last week in, uh, the overtime race at St. Louis at the, uh, worldwide technology raceway, uh, is what they like to call it. Supposedly, uh, uh allegedly it's supposed to be the shortest race of the year, full-time race, not counting all-star races, but, uh, uh, I, I don't know, man, before we even get into, uh, Kyle Busch winning and America's driver, Joey Logano finishing third, we'll get into all that here in a little bit, but, uh, when have we ever, <laughs> ever talked about the third place finisher? Dude, they, they, I love poking the bear with you, man. And I, I did you even <laughs> notice I even kind of halfway paused a little bit cause I knew it was coming in. I knew it was coming in, but dude, I, I, one of the things I've noticed, uh, and I've been watching some old races too, or at least the ends of old races, man, I, I'm not, I just don't like the overtime portion. I think if you say you're running the Coca-Cola 600, uh, Paul Whittington, or if you're running the, I don't know, whatever the Bristol 500, which is 500 laps, not 500 miles. I think you need to add, I think you need to end, even if it ends under caution, even if it ends bad, dude, I just something's got to be done about this man and i think tv would like to have a word in this too because when you have like a race that is delayed by weather or well you know and there's nothing you can do about that but then you have an overtime or two overtimes or three overtimes and a race that was supposed to end let's say at six o'clock regularly is getting over at 6 35 or 6 40 that can't make tv folks happy either dude I won't. I won't completely disagree with you. Um, I, I think TV did have a say when they went to this this overtime finish. They want to give fans in in attendance as well as fans watching on TV the chance to see a, a green flag finish. I, I am not a fan of races that finish under caution, uh, with with some exceptions. Right? If, sometimes it's just unavoidable. I don't like when with four to go. There's a debris caution, and and that ends the race. And you sit in your seat for four hours. You watch 400 miles of racing, and then some fan throws a can of beer onto the racetrack. That brings <laughs> out the caution with five to go, and now that's that's the end of the race. Now, when does that like ever when does that ever happen at a race? Come on, is, I thought it's usually it's chicken bones, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean it can be it can be anything, right? But. <laughs> The um, I mean, they have thrown cautions for for fans throwing beer cans onto the track before. Like we we've, we've seen that. It, it's not one that's been near near the end of the race, but you know we've also seen drivers and and I'll put Chase Elliott in this category, and he's certainly not in this category alone. But we've seen drivers that have intentionally caused cautions. Um, I for I forget who it was uh, a few a few races ago that I mean just. Paul, finish line a few weeks ago, uh, and that intentionally brings out cautions. I mean, can you imagine if 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 a driver just intentionally stopped on the racetrack with five to go because they need a new tires, 
And, and that just ended the race. Or if a, a teammate of the leader who was about to run out of gas pulled off, if the leader is about to run out of gas, one of his teammates pulls off and just stops on the road and forces a caution. Like, I mean, you'd have, you'd have guys trying to gain that system. It, it, it's not like we don't run these races like we used to back when we could have every restart single file and, and in some of these races under caution because it's a different game today with different players. And, and I just don't think it works. I, I like the idea of trying to get in a green flag finish um, and take us all the way to the checkers. But I like to do that in reason. And, and this is where I somewhat agree. I think there's, I don't think it should be unlimited attempt because what do cautions do? They breed more cautions. Cautions breed cautions. We hear it all the time. So I, I would be fine with a max of like two, attempts at, at a restart or, or at an overtime finish. And then after that, once, once that second attempt, once the green flag flies on the, on the second attempt, the next flag is going to end the race. That's what I think NASCAR should go to versus this unlimited attempt thing, especially when we go to road courses. What, what has been the long, the most overtimes that you remember? And again, you're someone that's been a, just a NASCAR fanatic for the, the better part of the last decade, probably more than that, actually. But what's the most overtimes you've seen in a NASCAR race? I think it's four. Oh my god! I think it. I think it's four. There was a road course not that long ago where where we just we just couldn't get it, and I can't remember which race it was off the top of my head. But uh, I mean, they were just struggling. Couldn't couldn't do it. Um, and yeah, I I think four is too many. I think two is the right answer, but yeah, I like that. I, I think, I think to answer your question, I think four is the most that I've seen. Dude, that is crazy. Four overtimes to finish a race. That is insane. Paul Woodington on the line with us. I got one more question about that is as, overtime races compared to just races that end when they're supposed to. I got to tell you in the, in Paul Whittington's reeducation of NASCAR to Brian Hanks, that's what I like to call what you've done with me over the last <laughs> couple of years, but I give you all, I mean, dude, anybody will talk to me. And I've had a lot of like my old friends who they knew that I'd gotten away from NASCAR. And now they see pictures of you and I in North Wilkesboro or Scott and I in Richmond or something. And they're like, what the hell? I thought you'd quit being a NASCAR fan. That's what I always tell them is it's Paul Whittington's reeducation of uh, NASCAR with, with Brian Hanks. Anyway, but it seems to me there are as many, if not more, overtime finishes than there are regular finishes. Is that just my imagination? Yeah, I, I don't know the stats of it right off the top of my head. Well, that guy was just being on the side of the road, right beside his truck. Um, sorry, ADHD kicking in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, yeah, it's. I, I don't know the stat off of it off the top of my head. I, I don't think we see more overtime finishes than we do regular finishes. I, I think some of it depends on when that, obviously depends on when that last caution comes out. Um, and is, is that caution going to bleed another caution? How aggressive are the drivers going to get? I mean, all that stuff plays a factor, but, but I, I think I feel confident in saying that the numbers slightly off there. We see more regular finishes than we do overtime finishes. Well, there you go. Well, it, and it shouldn't, you think about overtime and other sports. I mean, in, in uh, the NFL, maybe one out of – you're lucky if you have one a weekend. It's probably one every other weekend or one every third weekend that you have an overtime game. Uh, NBA's kind of the same. I mean, you figure they play 82 games in a regular season. There might be five or six a season. So, I don't know, do the math out of that. And even uh, Major League Baseball, extra inning games, there's not that many. It just seems like the percentages. <laughs> 
much, much higher in NASCAR than it is in the other sports. But anyway, that that's enough talk about that. Uh, Paul Whittington on the line with us on our Spence Automotive guest line right now uh, as we're talking NASCAR. And I tell you what, let's take a look at last week's race in uh, St. Louis. Uh, the Enjoy Illinois 300 uh, at the Worldwide Technology Raceway Sunday. <sighs> I got to tell you, and you said it before the season started. I'm trying to remember, and I guess I could go back and listen to it, but you predicted that Kyle Busch was going to win several races this year. Uh, why did you have that? And again, he wins his past uh, weekend. Uh, why did you have so much confidence in, in a driver that's been around for what, coming up on 20 seasons or maybe even more than 20 seasons at this point? I mean, definitely one of the one of the old heads in the garage why were you so confident about uh, Kyle Busch uh, having so many wins this year? Because of the kind of driver that he is, right? I mean, he's, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's got two championships to his name. He's won more than 200 races through the top three NASCAR national touring series. Uh, he's got, what, some 60 wins, 60-plus wins at, at the NASCAR Cup Series level. Uh, but you, you take all, all the resume stuff and you kind of put it to the side for just a moment. Look at everything that, that the eight team did last year with Tyler Reddick. I mean, they went to victory lane a couple of times. They were, they were front runners really pretty much all season, made a deep run into the playoffs. Uh, and then you take a driver with Kyle Bush's skill set and you put him through a team that's already got momentum with it. That, that's a recipe for success. Uh, so, so I'm not, so I wasn't surprised to see him win in, in his second race with RCR. And I'm not surprised that we're talking about. A Kyle Busch with with three wins to his name here here really the halfway point of the season. Well, I, he's been impressive, that's for sure. And uh, to see the eight up front, whether you're a Bush fan or a Chevy fan or whatever, it's it's just it is. It's really neat to see uh, to, to see him uh, winning as much as he is this year. But uh, Kyle Busch wins. Uh, Denny Hamlin is second, as we said earlier. America's driver Joey Logano finishes third. You got to think that. NASCAR's just got to be giddy. And I mean, and I don't know if it's something they're doing, if it's something that uh, that's just organically happening, but it seems like week in, week out, you've, they're, they're mixing it up. Now, Chevy's had a pretty good season so far, but I mean, your top three are Chevy, Toyota, Ford. Dude, four through six, Kyle Larson, Truex, Ryan Blaney, Chevy, Toyota, Ford. It, it, that's just insane that uh, that they're they're that balanced as they as they were this past weekend. All right, well let's let's take our tinfoil hat off, set it to the <laughs> side. We don't need to look out the window for the black helicopters; they're not coming. Uh, NASCAR's not producing these these finishes and these running orders. Um, it, it's just the parody that we have in the sport, Brian. I, I think that's all it is. You know. I, we always said with this next gen race car, the cream would rise to the top, and it, and it has. You you have your best teams that are performing week in and week out. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports, I I put RCR up there right now. Um, you look beyond Chevrolet, and you look at Penske Racing, and they've really stepped it up uh, here here really in the last five six races. Uh, and then Joe Gibbs Racing and, and 2311 Racing continue to be to be front runners week in week out. So. When you have teams as elite as Hendrick, Penske, and, and Joe Gibbs, it's no surprise that you get a one, two, three Chevy, Ford, Toyota finish in whatever order on, on any given week because they are the best teams. They, they have the best race cars, and, and they're, they're showing up to the track with a lot of speed each and every week. 
so wait a minute. I did catch that little comment there at the beginning of that statement. So I'm supposed to take my tinfoil hat off? Yes. Yes, you're not <laughs> supposed to wear that on the radio. Ooh, yeah, you're right. It probably the is. Signal uh, will go, the signal might go further if you take it off. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Kyle Busch, again, we, we talked a little bit about him, but uh, this uh, – when he wins, he's the happiest man in the world. And he's got that little fake smile pasted on that. By the way, dude, you know, we've talked, I, I just not a fan. I'm, I'm just not a Kyle fan, I guess. I mean, uh, Bush or Larson, but, uh, I, I, dude, he's gotta be, uh, one of the guys you're considering. That's going to be, uh, running for the championship when we get to the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, he's gotta be one of your favorites right now. You know, we talked just a second ago about, the success that the 18 had last year and the deep run that they made into the playoffs. You take a, a driver of Kyle Busch's caliber and, and you put him, like I said, into a team that's already got momentum. Uh, it, he's definitely got to be one of the favorites. And, and you look at the playoff schedule, it's, it's all tracks that he's won at. Uh, he's, he's certainly capable of winning a championship. I think it would be excellent for, for RCR, which is a weird kind of place that I find myself in, Brian. <laughs> because back in the day, when I was a Jeff Gordon fan, like it wasn't, it wasn't like this Chevy versus Ford rivalry. I mean, yeah, I didn't like Rusty Wallace, but I didn't like Rusty Wallace because man, DJ liked Rusty Wallace. Like that was really the main, the main thing. Right. Um, but it, the rivalry was Jeff Gordon versus Dale Earnhardt, 24 versus three Hendrick versus RCR. That was the rivalry. That was NASCAR's version of Duke versus Carolina. But now they're pretty much on the same team. Hendrick Motorsports and, and RCR and uh, all those Chevy bow ties that help each other week in and week out, and they get all that information from Chevrolet Racing. Now, now, now I kind of find myself a little bit rooting for, for RCR. Maybe a little bit more rooting for the three car than, than the eight car, but rooting for the team as a whole. It's, um, I, I, I certainly think Kyle Busch has the ability to go out and get a championship this year. He's definitely got to be one of the favorites and, and I think he's kind of priming the pump right now to, to have a really good playoff sprint once once that comes around in September again that voice list through Paul Whittington our NASCAR expert here on uh, the Brian Hanks show this morning uh let, let's see let's take a, a a look at Chase Elliott and of course we know he missed several races of what six races this earlier this season with uh, the skiing accident, and then uh, got uh, put on the sideline for this past race for uh, his uh, his extracurricular activities. How's that? Is that good, <laughs> uh, what he did during the yeah. race? Are we to the point where we need to start worrying if he's even going to make the playoffs? I mean, again, he's only raced in eight. He's only started in eight of the 15 races so far this season, Paul, and doesn't have a win yet. I mean, if you're – if you're, I don't know about Rick Hendrick, but if you're Chase Elliott and you're his crew, are you starting to worry that, man, there's not a whole lot of races left for him to uh, to make his way into the championship race? Yeah, I, I think it's go time for that team. And I, and I think there's maybe something in the back of their head going, man, we got to find a win, win soon because that's our best chance. But look no further than Sunday for, for the best chance. You know, we've, we've, Chase Elliott and, and the performance that he's been able to put up on road courses. He doesn't have a win yet at the Sonoma Raceway, but he's got a lot of wins on road courses, and there's a lot of road courses still to go. You know, we're going to run, we're we're going to run Sonoma this weekend. We're we're going to go to um, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road, road course in just a couple of weeks. 
we're, we're going to run the Chicago Street Course, which is going to be a wild card race that really anybody can win. Not to mention we have Daytona that's going to be coming up, and that's another wild card race. That And, and Chase Elliott runs well on the Super Speedway. He's got a couple of wins at Talladega to his name. So, I, yeah, I, I think it's time to start being concerned, but I think there's a lot of cause for optimism as well when you look at the, at the schedule of races coming up and, and Chase Elliott's track record at, at some of these racetracks. I got to ask you, though, and this is a subject that we talked about a little bit on your appearance last week. Do you think Chase Elliott is going to rediscover his love for racing, though? That, that's what I'm most concerned about, dude. I still think you're wrong about that. I, I, I don't think that there is any love lost for, for NASCAR racing. I, I will state for people who didn't listen to last week's show, I'll say it again, and I mean it, dude, sincerely. I, I just, I, he just doesn't smile anymore, man. Not that I ever remember him being a big, you know, big smiler in the first place, but he just doesn't look like he's having fun out there, dude. And I'm a big, and I know Bill Simmons calls himself a body language expert. I consider myself a pretty good body language expert, man. I just don't think Chase Elliott is having fun out there anymore. I think he's got all these expectations on him and, you know, being the, and I am doing air quotes here, most popular driver because he only got that because his pops was as good as he is, dude. I just, I just don't think he's got love for the game anymore, dude. I again think you're wrong about that. <laughs> I, I think there's there's plenty of love for 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 NASCAR racing from Chase Elliott. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I tell you, let's close the book on St. Louis. Uh, anybody impress you? Did somebody run better than you thought they were going to? Did somebody uh, not have the kind of finish they did? Just uh, wrap up St. Louis for us. Man, probably the weirdest race that we've run all year. You know, we had. <laughs> Three red flags. We had a delay, a almost two-hour delay for lightning at a time when the, over St. Louis there wasn't a cloud in the sky, but within eight miles it was a lightning strike. We had to shut it down, and things progressively got worse. But it never rained at the racetrack. And then there was tear some of the safer barrier. There was another red flag for uh, a big wreck. We had eleven cautions for sixty-seven laps, which is like a whole stage worth of pace and parade laps that we had to go through. Uh, just just a weird all-around race. Um, I, I was a little disappointed with Corey LaJoy's finish. Uh, he came home 21st. But also, looking back at things in retrospect, I, I, I think that's about right considering the situation because another thing that happened during this race is, I don't know if you were watching on Sunday, but there was about a 30-minute period where you couldn't watch. There was about a 30-minute period where you couldn't listen to uh, the MRN crew call the race. There was uh, a significant period at the racetrack where the teams had, had no access to internet or data or anything, and drivers couldn't receive the help from the pit crews that they needed, and it was because some issue with a fiber optic, optic cable just outside the racetrack that came disconnected or something and shut everything down at the racetrack. So uh, I, I hated it for Corey LaJoy. I, I wanted to see him in the best equipment run your run near the front or run better than 20th. And, and it just didn't happen. And I think part of it, you can, you can go right back and, and say, well, you know, he couldn't actually tell his crew chief what he needed. His crew chief couldn't look at the data and tell him what he needed. And it just wasn't a recipe for success. Uh, I thought Ryan Blaney had a great run, you know, coming off his, his win last week. Uh, I, I thought Ryan Blaney had a great run, led a lot of laps and, uh, 
is is now our points leader. So uh, a, a great run from him. But I but I think ultimately the best car won the race. Uh, Kyle Busch hands down the best car all weekend. Qualified on the pole, his first pole win since 2019, and then he goes out and wins the race. Uh, I, I think that like I said, the best car won the race on Sunday. Well, you were a genius there. Well, you're always a genius, Paul. Of course, you know, you're, you're number one and all that. But uh, you were really looking good with your picks, uh, uh, with your pick of Ryan Blaney for back-to-back. I think he won the first stage and, uh, and again, ran well all day and was had a chance at the, uh, at the win at the end. And I, and I think I even sent you a text at one point when it, he dominated that yep. first stage that, dude, you were looking real good on that pick. But uh, there you go. Okay, <laughs> well, let's switch lanes. Let's look over. Uh, it, we're going from St. Louis all the way over to the West Coast uh, for Sonoma. Uh, again, a, a unique race. And I got to tell you, as someone who grew up on ovals and, you know, you always had the one race a year. And I'm talking about this is when I was a kid, Paul. You, you had the uh, the Watkins Glen race. That was the one road course race uh i gotta tell you man with what they're doing with the roval at charlotte with sonoma again staying at watkins Glen, and like you were saying earlier about the uh uh road course at indianapolis which by the way should never it should just be the them running the brickyard 400 you know <laughs> just running around that but that's a conversation for another day but dude i gotta tell you i'm becoming a road course fan dude and i know that i mean well i don't know what do you think about road course are you a fan I, I like the days of the of the two road courses. I think we've got too many of them now. I, I don't mind the Roval at Charlotte, even though I think the mile and a half of this next gen race car produces better racing. I don't mind the Roval. Um, I to your point or to your point, Sonoma and um, Watkins Glen will will always be my my two favorite road courses on the circuit. I I, I don't need much more than than those three, personally. Okay. Uh, I do like road course racing. I, I do think that, that the next-gen car uh, runs relatively well on, on the road courses that we have on the on the circuit right now. Uh, cautious optimism for what we're going to see in Chicago. But um, yeah, I I like road courses. I, I think this car runs performs well on road courses, but I just I think we've got too many right now. Oh, dude, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that either for sure. Uh, let's talk about favorites. You already said, you know, this is a good, a good track for Chase Elliott. Well, I mean, he hasn't won here yet, as you mentioned earlier, but he has uh, shown how well he runs on uh, road courses. Uh, of course, Chase Elliott is up there. Who are some of the other, give us, give us two or three other favorites that, uh, you think are going to have a good weekend. Yeah, I'm trying to chase Elliott. I, I go just about six, five four numbers down, five numbers down, and look at the 19 car. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., he's got a couple of wins here. He always runs well at this racetrack. He performs well on the road courses. Uh, I think Martin Truex Jr. has a chance to go to victory lane on Sunday. Uh, Denny Hamlin has been running really well as of late. You know, had had the runner-up finish at Gateway. Uh, he runs well on these road courses. Uh, look for look for Denny Hamlin. I think anybody out of the Joe Gibbs stable can get it done this weekend. Daniel Suarez got his first NASCAR Cup Series win at this racetrack one year ago. Uh, we know what kind of driver he is on the road courses. I think the 99 certainly has a chance uh, to go back-to-back in the Sonoma Raceway this weekend. So look at the Joe Gibbs racing staple. Stable, look at the 99 car and look at that 9 car. Well, feet to the fire, Tom. You, you've got to bet your puppy dog, uh, Chase, uh, the, the, the great uh, puppy dog on this. Uh, who would, who would uh, Paul Whittington have? winning the race on uh, Sunday in Sonoma? 
Yeah, I'm going to go Chase Elliott. Uh, I I really think that, that he gets his first win in Sonoma. I, he's, he's proven that he can perform under pressure, and if there's ever been a scenario where the pressure's on, I think it's right now. Uh, so I look for him to run strong this weekend. I think he's going to get to victory lane. And when you look at the races where he's been in the race car, uh, they, that team's been running up front. I uh, just haven't been able to close it down and, and be first when it mattered most. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think Chase Elliott will get it done this weekend. Well, very good. There you go. Chase Elliott is your pick. Uh, listen, dude, again, thank you. You could have uh, taken this week off, especially with everything else you got going on with uh, defending our country and everything that you're doing, dude, and in all sincerity, dude, and I know you're probably rolling your eyes, but I do appreciate you, and I know folks who listen to this and folks who know you, Paul Whittington, we really do appreciate you. Thank you for, and I'm not saying this flippantly, I'm saying it with all sincerity. Thank you for your service to our country, and, uh, dude, you're just, thank you for your service to the Brian Hanks show, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brian, and, and also, uh, a friendly reminder, one thing will look differently this weekend at Sonoma. The road course rule is back into effect. We will wave the green and white checkered flag at the end of each stage, but we will not wave the yellow flag. Uh, cautions will only be thrown for cause this weekend. There will not be any stage cautions. Wow, that is very cool. And that's Real quick, I know we're a minute into the second hour, but why is that? Uh, it was just because of the time that it takes to run you know, there's only like nine laps, and and when you when you run with with the pace car and you do a full course caution, it, it eats up three laps, yeah. four laps, whatever yeah. the number. Is. And if you do that per caution, like those those laps start to add up, all of a sudden you've lost ten laps uh, just running stage break caution, eight laps. So they they did away with that and said when we go to road courses, we're going to throw the green and white checkered flag and we're going to keep racing. I love it, and I know you're a fan of that, right? I am. I am. Well, very good. Listen, Paul Whittington, you rock, dude. Have fun, man. DC's going to be here before we know, man. I can't wait to preview that with everybody, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And before we go, I got a couple of my soldiers in the car, uh, Bill McConkie <laughs> and Kyle Thornburg. I'm going to give you a chance to, to quickly say hey to everybody that's riding along in the car with me. They've had to <laughs> sit completely quiet for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you, uh, Letting uh, Sergeant Whittington there uh, be on uh, the Brian Hanks show this morning. This is real talk. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Listen, <laughs> Paul Whittington, you're the best, man. We'll see you when you get back. And, uh, dude, uh, be safe out there, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Have a good week. There you go. That's Paul Whittington here. <laughs> That's Paul Whittington here on the Brian Hanks show as we're wrapping up our first hour of today's show uh coming up in our second hour man very excited already been messaging with her the great ariel epstein uh from uh she's got her hands in just a little bit of everything right now she is the uh, sports betting host for uh for points bet points bet usa she's an analyst for mlb network and nba tv and again uh, i can't believe it's been 14 months since we last had her on we're going to remedy that we're going to take care of that because uh, like i said she's going to be joining us here in our second hour we'll also have the birthday game in our second hour too so as we're wrapping up our first hour of today's show thank you so much for listening coming up the second hour of the brian hanks show presented by lenore community college <laughs> 